This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where there's been a huge surge in COVID cases. Sundays usually have some of the lowest numbers in the daily casualty reports, but 10,105 new infections reported yesterday. That is the highest one-day total since July. The surge in COVID cases comes as the Florida legislature is about to begin a one-day session to get organized after the elections. Welcome to the Florida House of Representatives. Today, you join a small group of men and women who've been given the responsibility of shaping Florida's future. Lawmakers who control the House and Senate have imposed a series of restrictions to try to prevent this session from turning into a COVID super spreader, but they won't actually be doing anything about the virus itself. Remember the panhandle lawyer who dressed up like the Grim Reaper and sued when the governor refused to close the beaches because of coronavirus? These people who are running our state and our public health are so either stupid or corrupt or both that they have to be told what to do. And I couldn't think of anything more direct than this outfit. But the First District Court of Appeal is not amused. A three-judge panel says Dan Ufelter's lawsuit was frivolous and it's threatening him with sanctions. The task forces created to review the state's plan to build 330 miles of new toll roads have issued their final reports. We have to live in a state and have to plan in a state for the future. We cannot continue just to remediate. We, we have to anticipate the future needs of this, this state. The task forces that examined those plans did not conclude that any of the new roads are actually needed. However, the skids have been greased. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with two Florida men. One is a peeper, the other walked out of a police station in broad daylight, still wearing handcuffs. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, November 16th. This is the International Day for Tolerance, raising awareness and encourage mutual understanding among different cultures and peoples. The UN started this back in the 60s. It hasn't aged very well. This is also National Button Day and National Fast Food Day. The Florida Department of Health reported 10,105 new coronavirus cases Sunday. That's the largest number of new cases in one day since late July. 885,201 people have now been infected statewide. Florida ranks third in the nation for total COVID cases behind Texas and California, which are both over a million. There were also 30 newly reported fatalities in Florida on Sunday. That increases the official death toll to 17,734. Despite the surge in cases, the governor's office is still reluctant to share the weekly White House Coronavirus Task Force reports. Several other states who have governors who believe in the concept of transparency post their reports online as soon as they get them. Florida does not. And good luck getting a copy without suing or filing a public records request. The death toll for people in nursing homes and long-term care continues to rise. The number of residents and staff members killed by COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic topped 7,000 on Sunday, a grim reminder of the toll that COVID-19 has taken on seniors and people with underlying health conditions. About 40% of the COVID-19 fatalities in Florida have been linked to long-term care. The state legislature convenes tomorrow for the first time in eight months to swear in newly elected lawmakers. There are strict regulations in place to try to protect them from being infected with coronavirus, the sort of regulations the governor refuses to enact to protect the rest of us. Molecular testing for COVID-19 is available at the Capitol at no cost to lawmakers. They're also requiring tests for all reporters who plan to enter the building. We'll be lining up outside the Capitol building tonight to get checked. Members will have to undergo a temperature screening prior to entering the chambers. They'll be offered a cloth mask, a face shield, or an N95 mask. 
And they're also being advised that Leon County is still under an emergency order that requires the use of facial coverings in business establishments. The House has also commandeered space in the old Capitol building for lawmakers who prefer to be more socially distanced than they can be in the existing House chamber. But don't expect lawmakers to actually do anything about the human or economic carnage of the COVID crisis during this session. The pandemic may be dominating every other aspect of our lives, but it's simply not on the legislative agenda. The one-day legislative session that begins and ends tomorrow is required by the state constitution for the exclusive purpose of organization and election of officers. It'll only last for about two hours. Incoming House Speaker Chris Sprouls of Tampa has already posted this message to welcome the newbie lawmakers. Welcome to the Florida House of Representatives. Today, you join a small group of men and women who've been given the responsibility of shaping Florida's future. I often say that state government, but really the Florida House, is one of the few places left where any person with a big idea can change the world. The next few weeks and months are going to be a whirlwind of activity. We have organization session in November, Legislator University in December, and committee weeks in January and February, all leading up to the start of session on March 2nd. Over the next several days, you will be receiving a steady stream of communication from the House via text, email, and video. We wanna make sure that you are prepared every step of your journey and answer as many of your questions as possible. We have a lot of work to do, and I can't wait to see the amazing things that you'll accomplish as part of this institution. It's time to get started. I'll see you very soon, and welcome again to your house. Now, there have been times in the past where the scope of the organizational session was expanded to deal with an emergency, and you might think the COVID crisis would qualify. But GOP leaders in the House and Senate have spent months trying to avoid the issue because they didn't want to give Democrats a platform to attack them and the governor during the campaign. Now that the election is done, they figure it's safe to begin to deal with it, but not right away. It won't be discussed formally until committee hearings begin in January. There has been talk of a special session in January, but it's not for COVID. The governor wants to crack down on violent protests. Unfortunately, his proposal is so vague it could be used in just about any situation to arrest marchers and put their leaders in jail without bail for minor offenses. And people who run their cars through protesters in the street, well, they'd be able to escape any punishment by simply claiming they felt threatened by the demonstrators. It's like stand your ground on steroids. And if you don't have your gun, feel free to use your car. After spending the last year holding a never-ending series of meetings in public and Zoom hearings, the groups that were set up to examine three controversial toll road projects in Florida have issued their final reports to the governor. Now let's see if anyone bothers to read them. Last year, the legislature approved a plan to build 330 miles worth of toll roads through some of the last remaining areas of Florida wilderness. Those roads were not proposed by any local governments. They were not included in the Florida DOT five-year plan. It was, however, the pet project of the Senate president, Bill Galvano, so they pretty much threw the entire planning process out the window. Well, we have in this state 900 people moving here every day. We had, what, 175 million people visit here last year. The days of relying on a five-year plan are, are just, they're not realistic in a modern Florida. In Florida, that's the 14th largest economy on the planet. And we are going to see, I think, going forward, whether it's uh, roadway infrastructure, uh, resilience infrastructure, water, sewer, the need to keep pace and to, to move forward. The uh, necessity for the, the roads is something that was investigated through the process and, and is continuing to, to be investigated. The reality is that uh, as I mentioned, with the numbers that we have here in the state of Florida, the population growth, the uh, difficulties that we experienced during Hurricane Irma 
with the evacuations uh, that these these uh, corridors need to uh, need to exist and and there is a a history in in some of the proposed corridors of analysis in the in the past and we have to live in a state and have to plan in a state for the future we cannot continue just to remediate we we have to anticipate the future needs of this this state the projects are known collectively as MCORs, multi-use corridors of regional economic significance. One of the new toll roads would extend the Suncoast Parkway from Citrus County to Jefferson County, that's near the Georgia border. One would extend Florida's Turnpike from Wildwood to connect to the Suncoast Parkway. The third creates a new toll road linking Polk and Collier counties. Environmental groups don't like them. Frank Jackalone with the Sierra Club says they will damage what little is left of the real Florida, they won't do anything to speed up hurricane evacuations, and he insists their sole purpose is to open up more of the state to sprawling development. The MCOR's plan being proposed that would create three road corridors of more than 300 miles in total of new toll roads, but that are not really intended for hurricane evacuation. You know, that is a false argument. When you hear Senator Galvano and others talk in the Chamber of Commerce, clearly they see those roads as a means to economic growth. And what does that mean? It means sprawl. And the horror, the nightmare ahead is that development, that growth will convert the central part of the state and the remaining natural areas into a mirror image of the coastal areas of Florida. The Florida that we know and that we still enjoy will be gone. Seems like there is a real, there's a conscious decision by state leaders with developers and development interests to move this forward without even thinking about what the consequences are. If you continue to bring more people in and you bulldoze the center of the state, then you are going to pollute our water even more and you're going to be bringing more and more emissions into the state that will fuel climate change. All of these things are connected. When lawmakers approved these new toll roads, they ordered the Department of Transportation to hold a series of hearings to gather public comment, because there's nothing that says Tallahassee more than voting to spend the money before they know it's even justified. Three separate task forces examined the three projects, and they did not conclude there is a specific need for any of them. State Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says she's troubled by MCOR's overwhelming lack of support, the lack of a demonstrated need, and the millions in general revenue diverted from a state budget that's facing economic shortfalls due to the COVID crisis. She also claims they have the potential to destroy millions of acres of farmland, forest, and wetlands. But don't expect any of this to make a difference. Lawmakers may review MCOR's reports when they hold committee meetings in January, but they don't have to. And if they do nothing, the roads become a reality. The Florida legislature has shown us over the years they are very good at doing nothing, especially when it's in their own financial interest, not to mention the interests of the developers, the road builders, and the Chamber of Commerce types who have lots of friends in the legislature and have been driving this project. Next up on Sunrise, a state appeals court threatens sanctions against the Grim Reaper. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. 
Welcome back to Sunrise. Remember the Florida man who began dressing up as the Grim Reaper to protest the governor's refusal to close beaches at the start of the pandemic? Well, he's now facing sanctions from a state appeals court. Dan Ufelder of Walton County says he adopted the Grim Reaper costume to try to make a point about the Ron DeSantis administration. I've been working on trying to get this derelict governor who's in there, I don't know where he is, but to do his job, I started a campaign to close the beaches in a uh, kind of a paint suit and as a kind of a, and that was seemed to be effective for a short period of time. I've sued the governor and after he reopened everything and I saw, I said, you know, these people who are running our state and our public health are so either stupid or corrupt or both that they need to be, I don't know, they have to be told what to do. And I couldn't think of anything more direct than this outfit. And that's, it's taken off from there. It's, it's, it's a full-time job at this point. Ufelder's lawsuit was rejected by a circuit judge in Tallahassee back in April, but the judge thanked him for filing the lawsuit and encouraged him to pursue an appeal. So Ufelder went to the first DCA. On Friday, a three-judge panel not only rejected his lawsuit, but threatened to impose sanctions on the attorney for filing what they called a frivolous appeal. Ufelder has been ordered to file a new brief with the court explaining why he should not be facing sanctions, including attorney fees and court costs. Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City will be one of the first in the country to use computerized canines to patrol the base. The semi-autonomous robot dogs walk on all fours. They look a bit like cyber dogs from a video game. Their human handlers can drive them using a virtual reality headset, and they see exactly what the robot dog is detecting through its mobile camera and sensor platform. The handler can also use a built-in radio to issue verbal commands, so the robot dogs will have a human voice. Officials at Tyndall say the cyber pups are designed to aid in patrol operations, but are not intended to replace the real dogs. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the Revenue Estimating Conference meets to discuss issues related to unclaimed property. The trustees of Seminole State College meet at 2. The Florida House of Representatives holds an orientation session at 2 for the spouses of new members. The trustees of Tallahassee Community College meet at 2.30. The Senate Democratic Caucus meets at 4 to formally elect Gary Farmer of Fort Lauderdale as their leader for the next two years. Senator Farmer will hold a media availability afterwards. The House Democratic Caucus meets at 6.30. They'll formally elect Bobby DeBose of Fort Lauderdale and Evan Jenny of Dania Beach as co-leaders for the next two years. A Florida man who walked out of the Palmetto Police Department in handcuffs was still wearing them five days later when he was recaptured. 42-year-old Ronald Guru fled from police when they tried to question him about an armed robbery, so they took him to the station on a charge of obstruction and cuffed him. While police were trying to ID him, Guru was able to twist his body enough to get his hands in front of him, cuffs and all. Then he walked out of the interview room, made his way through the police station lobby, and out the front door without being spotted. They found him five days later at a homeless camp. He had managed to cut the chain between the cuffs, but they were still on his wrists. And finally today, a Florida man with a history of voyeurism is accused of videoing a man in a public restroom. Police were called to a Lowe's hardware store in Lady Lake after a man spotted a glare from the adjoining stall while he was whizzing. When he looked down, it was the lens of a cell phone. 63-year-old Ronald Bunt, who lives in the villages, told deputies he had been adjusting his hammer toe and his cell phone just happened to be in the other hand. He's charged with voyeurism, and it's not the first time. Bunt had previously been convicted of peeping into the window of a man's apartment in Virginia. He was also in the news back in 2016 when he was first in line for a book signing at Barnes & Nobles for Tony Tennille of Captain and Tennille fame. He even took the songstress a bouquet of flowers, and his picture was published in the Village's newspaper. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics. 